This true first-person story was recorded in front of a live audience. It was told in April 2014 at a live show at the Culture Club in Hong Kong. Now, most of our storytellers are regular people just like you, though this guy, well, this guy's a little bit special. You see, this storyteller is David Young, and without him, I wouldn't be talking to you on this podcast, and you wouldn't be listening to Hong Kong Stories. A few years ago now, David and another visionary called Tom Tiding got together and decided to start a group dedicated to storytelling in Hong Kong. They started off with only a couple of storytellers and a few audience members, but they liked it and they persisted. And slowly it grew. And now we have a live show in Hong Kong almost every month. And these live shows have sold out each month for over a year now. Both David and Tom have left Hong Kong but we send a big shout out to them for leaving behind Hong Kong stories. If you want to learn how to tell your best story, sign up on our Hong Kong Stories Meetup page, like us on Facebook, or go to hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now from a show recorded in 2014, here's David. I have to sit down because I need all four limbs to talk. The clock's going last because I, uh, I had to listen to everybody else's story and I had a lot of time to drink beer, so. <laughs> Beatrice, you know what you're in for. I, 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 I might say the F word. Okay. <laughs> so we all make assumptions about each other when we first meet people. Let's face it, right? We all have stereotypes. We all have prejudices. And there's some very common assumptions that people make about me. The first one is, because I'm an expat, I'm a white guy living abroad, I must be well-traveled. No, I'm not. I'm not well-traveled. In fact, I don't even fucking like traveling. The very first, it's actually the second time in my life that I ever took an international flight was when I moved to Hong Kong. <laughs> the second thing that people often assume about me when they find out that I'm ex-military, and I'd like to stress the ex in military, <laughs> Because I must be well-disciplined. must be organized. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not either of those things, actually. Um, I, well, not in the way that people traditionally think. I actually have a, a different philosophy. I have what's known in leadership philosophy as high tolerance for uncertainty. So that's an assumption you can make about me. <laughs> and a few years back, these ideas about me, they completely collided. It was 10 years ago. I was living in Colorado. And I had two boys, 11 and 13 years old, and I decided that I was going to take them and a bunch of their friends and maybe some dads on a big, long expedition canoeing in Canada. So I pitched me an idea, and I got a lot of parents who were interested, actually, and it looked like it was going well. One of the dads, he didn't sort of like the way I was leading it, and so he came to me and he said, I, I need to be a little bit more comfortable. How about you have a parent meeting where you lay out the itinerary and the agenda and tell us what you're going to do while you're there. <laughs> I had the parent meeting, 
but there was no agenda. And in fact, what I did is I explained to the other dads there, I said, listen, actually, too much planning will actually hurt us. It will, it will affect our ability to make decisions when we're on site. I said, the important decisions are going to be made when we get there. I said, well, these things are going to depend on the weather. These things are going to depend on the fatigue of the group. I said, you know, this is going to, cause, you know, this is going to be a local resupply. I said, so we don't really want to plan too much. We need to stay a little bit flexible. Well, this one dad, who I call corporate dickhead, he said, he, he didn't like the fact that there was no spreadsheet, there was no fucking flowchart, there was no agenda, and so he decided that he and his son were not going. Fine, you don't want to go. It's like, yeah. But he took it one step further. He actually started a campaign. He started telling the other parents that they shouldn't go. That they should go on his trip. He decided to do his own thing while I was doing my thing in Canada. And you know, he did not go on that trip with me, but the comments he made that night did. I carried them around like fucking baggage through the Canadian fucking wilderness, let me tell you. <laughs> and contrary to what he believed, the trip was a smashing hit. We had a fantastic time. It was ten boys, three dads, twelve days of extraordinary Canadian wilderness. It was fantastic. Without a hitch. Actually, not without a hitch. Okay, there was one hitch. On the last day, we're scheduled to come back to Colorado. And we have a connecting flight through Boston, Logan International to be specific. But we've got a three-hour layover. It's not going to be a problem. And when we're checking in at the Canadian airport, the ticket agent tells us three things that may complicate our day. One is that when we get to Boston, we're going to have to pick up our bags and go through customs and that she can't check our bags all the way to Denver. We're going to have to recheck them. She tells us a second thing, and that is that we're going to have to get new boarding passes in Boston for the flight to get to Denver. And the third thing she tells us is that our flight's about 30 minutes late delay. And I'm like, no problem. This is no problem. I can handle a 30-minute delay. So we get to the, um, we get up to our gate, when we get to our gate, it's 60 minutes late. And then very, very shortly after that, they tell us they don't really know when the flight's going to take off. <laughs> takes off two hours late. We arrive in Boston, literally, with 50 minutes left before we have to make our next flight. I'm thinking, I, I've got everybody briefed, so this is going to fucking happen, right? So guys, look, this is going to be a big, big hustle, but we're going to make it, right? We've got to go through immigration, pick up our bags, go through customs, get new boarding passes and get to our gate. Not a problem. We start fucking running for immigration. Immigration, he says. <laughs> so, we run to immigration. And we get into re-immigration hall, it's two big giant signs. One says, American citizens. And the other one says, all other. And you see, that's another assumption that people make about me. Because I'm a white guy living in Colorado, they assume I'm an American citizen. But I'm not. I'm actually all other. <laughs> so me and the other dads, we have to make a decision fucking immediately, right there and then. What do we do? We split the group, and the other dads are like, just come with us. When you get up there, you'll just plead. We'll make it through. It won't be a problem, right? I'm saying, no, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. 
So I, I said, because I'm afraid that when I get up there, this, this whole idea, this, this idea of being in the wrong line will create some suspicion amongst the agents, right? So we decide right there and then immediately we're going to split the group. And they go on their own. They're through immigration in 10 minutes. Me, I'm standing there, I'm standing there, I'm standing there. <laughs> me and actually my two boys are still with me. We're standing there, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. It's about 30 minutes we get through. We get through customs pretty quick. We get our bags, we get through customs, no problem. When we come out of customs, now, keeping in mind the second time that I've ever taken an international flight was when I moved to Hong Kong. This was the first one. <laughs> so we unload, into the, we unload into the arrivals terminal, and I'm thinking, I have to get to departures, I have to get to departures, I have to pick up my bags. So I've got this big giant cart full of bags, all of our camp equipment, everything that we need. And I'm running around trying to find the departures. So finally, someone tells me it's upstairs. So I go upstairs. There's Air France. There's British Airways. There's, uh, there's United International. So I go over to United International. And they explain to me, actually, you're in the wrong terminal. <laughs> what you're looking for is a domestic flight. You have to go to another flight. And I look at my watch. I've got exactly 18 minutes before my flight takes off. And the guy says, it's, it's about uh, 10 minutes. You have to walk down here. It's about 10 minutes. I turn around. I look at my boys. And I say, we're going to make this in three. And I look at him very seriously, and I say, keep up. Because I do not want to leave you behind. And I think they understood that what was implicit in that was, but I will if I fucking have to. Because the last thing that I want to happen is for me to miss this flight after everyone in the trip did, and that fucking cop back in Colorado be able to go, see? I told you, this guy was disorganized, he was screwing it up, right? This guy didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, fucking Captain Complainer, that's what I called it. So anyway, we start running. Three minutes later, we're standing in front of the United Gate. It's absolutely fantastic. So we got like about eight minutes left to take our flight. I'm thinking, this is going to work, it's going to work. There's people in line, but I fucking ignore that. I go straight up to the agent and I say, we got to make this flight to dinner. We absolutely have to make this flight to dinner, right? So... Get, I, I just say, please call the gate, do something for me, right? Get, and she says, sir, 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 I'm sorry, listen, you're never going to make the flight because we'll never get your bags checked. I have to make, I have to make a command decision immediately. And I said, burn those fucking bags. Just never mind the bags. I said, I need to get on that flight right now. And she figures out that I'm pretty pumped to get on this plane. She picks up the phone, she calls the gate, she says, they're here. So clearly they knew we were coming. My buddy's upset. Right? My buddy's upset. There's three more, and there's waiting, right? So they said, we're there here, right? And so I said, okay, so are they going to hold the plane? She said, I'm sorry, sir, I can't make any promises. It's the people at the gate and on the plane that decide when they'll push back. But if you hurry, you might make it. She prints us off new boarding passes. I fucking just leave the bags behind, and I start running. I get through security quickly, which is a miracle in the United States post 9 11. We get through, and when we come to the other side, there's a United agent standing there, and she has one gesticulation and one command for me Run! <laughs> and me and my boys, we start fucking running as fast as we can. I don't know if you've ever been in Logan International, but it has these crazy arc shaped bridge. And so we're running up one side of the bridge, and when we're coming down the other, there's a second United agent. She's standing there, she has one command and one gesticulation Run! <laughs> Boys, we keep on fucking running, we're running, we're running, and I don't see where to go next. I don't even know what fucking gate I'm supposed to go to. I've never flown internationally before. I don't even like traveling. And I glance down at my watch, and we're already four minutes late. I think, fuck, we're never going to make it. And I look up, and I see another United agent, and she's looking at me, and she says, Don't stop fucking running! So I start running. <laughs> 
me and my two boys run down the ramp. And as we get to the ramp, there's a United agent, she's standing there, she has both hands on the fucking door. And she says, get on, and we go in behind her. We get on to the airplane, and I think, fuck Captain Complainer back in Colorado. So I made it. And I said, you know, I didn't need a spreadsheet. I didn't need a fucking flowchart, because in my world, nothing is out of my control. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. If you want to know more about learning to tell great stories, visit us on hongkongstories.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to share it with your friends. And keep an eye out for our weekly podcast published every Wednesday. Everyone has a story to tell.